Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever. Uh, <laughs> welcome to episode 300, uh, 360, oh my god, I wish, 560, <laughs> episode 560. Uh, January is nearly over, Rob. What are we going to do? The, the month, the 12th of the year is already gone. <laughs> I know. Um, well, it'll be the end of the year show before we know it. It pretty much. I mean, how's your top ten films of the year? Is it finalised? I'm, I'm hoping at least two of them are in there at the minute. Maybe three. Well, to the Godfather. All, all I can say is I've watched enough movies to be able to get a top ten probably at this point. So I'm all right. Yeah, I have. I've seen uh, seventeen films this year so it's a little bit less than normal but I'm not racing. I'm not trying to watch as many films as I possibly can. It's too tiring. My list tells me I'm up to 23 myself. That is not bad going. However, if we, if you are like 10 in front of me by the by the middle of December, it probably will turn into a race. I suspect I will end up watching a lot of short films. So, But uh, no, I am very happy this week, Mr. Robert Dyer. Why am I very happy this week, Mr. Robert Dyer? Well, because I remember the days when I used to work at a video shop. And one of the things I used to love to do was show people films that they may not have seen before or they may not have even heard of before and then have them come back and go I love that recommendation, thank you very much what else you got, it's great it's been, it's like 18 years since I closed the video store down that is a hell of a long time but I still enjoy recommending films and uh, yeah, even more so when people come back and go yes I like that so you know that's why Bob's not here tonight because he was just bitching on about the uh, about the Blair Witch Project, which I recommended and he did not like. So you know, other than that, I've pretty much got a spotless record, which mm. is pretty good. So we are here. It's slightly different format to the show, but not too drastically. So the what have you been done? What have you read? What have you eaten? What have you not eaten? Will be after the main chunk of the show. Mm -hmm. Um, because I'm very, very excited to find out what you thought of the two films that I recommended, which I might say, even though these films are a whole bunch of years, (laughs) I should have read that out, a whole bunch of years apart, they kind of work really well as a double bill. Oh, they do. I feel, which was not on purpose uh, that I sort of picked those two for you, Mm -hmm. but I'd rewatched them again over the past couple of days, and, you know, so the, the the episode title tells you what films. So JFK was 1992 that the UK got it. Came out in 91 in the US. Snowden was 2016, but they they're still pretty relevant. Now, certainly JFK, I found a lot of relevance even in mm-hmm. today's world, which kind of scared me, depressed me, because uh, you kind of hope that the world changes for the better, but there's still a lot of stuff in there. And Snowden 
obviously that's still quite a recent film anyway but mm-hmm. that is that's a lot scarier than a film like that should be really i thought it is so we shall start with the mighty jfk mm-hmm. and i am going to ask you a question what did you know about JFK? I mean, this isn't a historical podcast, so you know you don't have to go. Well, he was born in such and such. Just what did you know about JFK before you went into this film? Um, for me, um, I enjoy history, but the history I um, kind of know uh, more about is history relating to the UK. So it in- includes like world wars and, and that kind of thing. So when it comes to the history of uh, JFK, I obviously know about uh, the assassination. Yep. Um, I, you know, knew that, you know, you got the, the boot depository, you got the grassy knoll and all that kind of stuff. You know, the little bits of uh, information that, that most people of a certain age kind of uh, glean from it. But that was about it. You know, the details I was uncertain of, I certainly didn't know, um, you know, about um, things like um, the whole area not being properly checked out and, um, you know, people being uh, sent away on trips, um, which meant um full checks hadn't been followed and yeah. you know all the all the ins and outs that that kind of the nitty gritty stuff um is, is just something that that just flew over my head because like i say it was uh american history so um i didn't know that much about it i think pretty much all i knew obviously i knew who, who john kennedy was i knew he was mm-hmm. the president i knew he'd been assassinated apparently by lee harvey oswald although a lot of people didn't think that he did it on its own because it made no sense mm-hmm. um, and beyond that i didn't really know much i knew that lee harvey oswald had been shot and killed before he could ever make it to trial which mm-hmm. which inflamed the people who thought oh, i don't think he did it alone beyond that i knew nothing yeah. nothing and, and- and I've got to be completely honest now when I say the most, uh, well, the TV show that gave me the most insight on JFK was Red Dwarf. Okay, is there an episode of, is, yeah, about yeah, JFK? Yeah, th- there's an episode of Red Dwarf where <laughs> they literally go back in time um, and um, they, they knock... Uh, Lee uh, Harvey Oswald out of the boot depository so he can't make his shot. Yeah. So in order to, to rebalance time, um, they um, go and grab uh, JFK himself from, uh, from another time period, bring him as the second shooter behind the grassy knoll, and uh, so he assassinates himself. Okay. So obviously I didn't believe all that, but because <laughs> no, it's know, Red Dwarf, I, you know, it's yeah, not hundred percent factual. I gleamed bits of information, like I say, grassy knoll, book depository, um, for, from an episode of Red Dwarf. Okay. Now you've just recently watched JFK, so as in like the past week, you'd never seen this film before. Is that right? No, nope. for the okay. first time, yeah. Why had you? I'm not, you know, you didn't avoid it because yeah, I'm guessing that it's probably the same sort of case as me where there's just not enough time to watch every single film that you want to watch and JFK for some reason had not fallen on your radar yeah you know it's one of those things that when you go through your list of um, you know streaming where you go through your streaming platform seeing what's uh, available um, when it came to again to historic uh, movies I'd be looking um, at 
um, things that were to do with the war or things that I knew a bit more about. So you'd come to JFK and you'd go, oh, yeah, uh, you know, that was uh, the American assassination. I'd just kind of move on to something I knew a bit more about because I felt I could make a a better decision as if I was going to like the film. So, for example, if there was a film about Winston Churchill, you'd probably be more gravitated towards that one. Oh, yeah. Um, and I've watched um, that, that very good film about Winston Churchill. It's a, very, it's a very good film, isn't it? Yep. Yes. So what made you watch JFK? Obviously, the answer is probably me, but, you know. Yeah, I was going to say. Is it uh, okay? <laughs> that person named Stuart. Yep. And now you didn't uh, you didn't know it was a three hour plus film either, did you? So are you glad that I warned you that it was? Well, not warned you, but just sort of made you aware of that fact. Um, it, it, that kind of uh, detail doesn't really bother me. You know, I, I'd sat down, I'd made up my mind. You know, uh, I'm, I'm going to watch JFK uh, on Stuart's recommendation, yeah. and um, started the film. And uh, I think what was it? I text you at the time or something like that and yeah. you um you, you uh called me back and let me know that part way through that it was a three-hour film and I said oh so it is but yeah it didn't bother me no. um um you know i was just uh happy to be sitting down watching a, a recommended film i mean no should it bother you because you know I, it, and it always baffles me when people go oh no no it's three hours but they'll happily sit there and watch two two hour films i've never i've never understood the mentality where people get yeah. freaked out by super long films but i remember when i was working in the video shop at the time when the film came out and it came out on retail as well as rental. So we had like mm-hmm. loads of copies of it. And then we very quickly, this is sort of common courtesies. You get somebody coming in at 10 o'clock at night going, oh, I'm gonna, I am gonna, want to watch a film tonight. So you would go, well, you know, watch that one, watch JFK. And mm-hmm. then you would sort of go, well, it's kind of, it's going to be half 10 at night before you get home. Should I just let you know that it is, it is a lengthy film? And you would get some <laughs> people who go, oh, I don't want it then. You're like, you're missing out on an amazing film just because I've been stupid enough to tell. So I just didn't tell people, yeah. you know, because you would get people who are put off by that fact, which is just nuts. But uh, yeah, so I very quickly learned that one. But uh, I recommended that film a lot. And a lot of people were very, very happy when they came back uh, having watched it. I think with with a great film, you know, the the time usually kind of flies by anyway and you kind of lose all sense of it so and also I think it doesn't matter how long the film is is the film interesting is the story engaging or, you know are you enjoying the experience mm-hmm. i mean i watched jfk this weekend again it flew by yeah and it was the director's cut that i watched which was the same version that you'd watch which is about 3 hours and 20 minutes Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet there are some films that we've watched in the past that are an hour and a half that drag. Oh, yeah. how long has this been on? Oh, 25 minutes. Kill me now, sort of thing. But JFK flew by. Yeah, and you can always tell a good film because, you know, with a good film, usually you have to put your phone down because if you mm-hmm. don't, you're going to miss something. Yep. And, uh, yeah, it was that way with JFK. So what are your thoughts on the film then because obviously I've seen it and I'll, I'll give you my feedback and bits and pieces but I want to know what Rob thought of JFK first time viewing you lucky soul <laughs> uh, well for me um, I was surprised that, that there was kind of no low points to the film everything was like kind of feature packed and um, had you kind of sitting on the edge of your seat there was nothing 
that felt kind of slow or boring. It, literally, the, the whole film, you know, albeit almost three and a half hours, was was edgy seat kind of wow wow great you know yeah the, yeah there, there was no uh kind of uh kind of flat bits or, or lulls or anything like that so that's what, what really kind of stood out um and uh as a somebody who does like history your, your mind's kind of um racing through it going Oh my gosh! You know, really? Did yep. that happen? Yep. Oh my, yeah. And at the end, I'm like, do I need to go on Amazon, buy a few books, and do some research here just to make sure, you know, everything is <laughs> is as it should be? And 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 I know there are kind of fictional elements to it um, because I did go online after and and do some research with the help of Google. Yes. Um, but it, it does it, it how that film left me is i want to know more about the you know the whole um kind of jfk incident and everything around it um i, I want to do some digging i want to find out the ins and outs myself and, you know it, it kind of left me wanting to to learn more about it see and i think that's what the film is designed to do mm-hmm. i think it's a film because a lot of people um watch the film and they look at it and go right this is what the film's telling me the film is telling me that this person did it or this person was involved in it and i'm not quite convinced of that so therefore i don't believe what the film's telling me i think the film is designed to make exactly as you said go right i need to find out more about this i'm going to try and find out what happened i'm going Mm -hmm. to do my own research i'm going to look at all the evidence i think the film is perfectly uh, designed to sort of make you go right. Let's look at the official story. Right. Well, that didn't happen. The, mm-hmm. the official story that they're saying, I don't believe that. So let me go find out what could have happened. It's designed to yeah. make you have this sort of discussion that we're having now. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, I've never, I've not spoke to Oliver Stone, the director, but I, there's enough in that to sort of go, is it this? Is it that? Possibly this. Possibly that. There isn't a definitive. This person did that this and so on i think it's a discussion provoker yeah and and there's almost that element in my mind where it's designed to to make you challenge what you're being told yeah um you know the whole you know official line or the official story yeah um you know just because somebody tells you something doesn't necessarily mean that it's true well, I remember. You know. uh, so I saw that film in '92. So as, as soon mm-hmm. as it hit, as soon as it came in, because by that time I was an Oliver Stone fan. So I'm like, right, I don't really know anything about JFK, but Oliver Stone made it, and I've seen all his other films. So I trust the guy. I'm going to watch it, and I love the film. So, um, I remember watching that film, going, my God, how could they believe this story at that time? How on earth could the mass public believe the official story that one person did this? That makes no sense. That would never happen now. And now look at us. We're in 2021, and there's been so many instances over the years where crazy things have happened, and you go, there's no way people are going to believe that happened. But they do, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because the mass media and the powers that be tell them this is what happened. Then Mm -hmm. everybody, oh, that's what happened. No, yeah. how how can it? So even that's when I discussed earlier. It's a case of it's a 1991 film, but it's still very relevant now. That's the angle I'm looking at. It's like mm-hmm. people nowadays still believe what the newspapers tell them, 
And I'm not saying yeah. that everything in the newspapers is made up or everything that the official news tells us is fake, but this, you know, I don't want to go through a big list of examples, but there are things that have happened since that film came out where you're like, no chance, I'm not buying that, but people believe it. It's absolute mm-hmm. madness. So what did you think of the cast? Because that film has got one of the best casts that I have seen for a long, long time. Yeah, it's... You know, it's one of those things, you know, for for me, I am a Kevin Costner fan. Yep. So, you know, I was was happy to see him take the the lead. Um and then, you know, as the, the movie goes on, you just see these actors like popping up and you're going, Oh yeah. you know, and oh look who it is, you know, and like yeah, they just kept coming out of the woodwork. John Candy, Jack Lemon, Walter Matto, you know, Kevin Bacon, Donald Sutherland. Just uh, crazy, crazy cast. Absolutely mm-hmm. amazing. But do you think, I, w- I was watching it yesterday, and there's a couple of real big highlights in that film for me that if I had to do a list of my favourite cinema moments ever, two of those mm-hmm. would be in it, so I'm not going to spoil them just yet. But I think it's possibly Costner's career best. Or do you think there is one that maybe? What is your favourite Kevin Costner on-screen performance? Um, for me, uh, I have to say The Postman. Okay, good film. Yep. Um, now that's just because that's always been kind of my my favourite film starring Kevin Costner. Yeah. Um, whether or not JFK has taken that away, yeah, yet to be decided. You know, maybe they stand, you know, just as well together. Um, I, I uh, have already started looking for a way that I could watch uh, the Postman again, so I can. Uh, it's hard to get hold of uh, that evaluate. film, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's um, it's not on any streaming platforms at the moment, so uh, yeah. so you know, I haven't watched it in a number of years. Um, but I remember at the time when watching the film, I, you know, watched it several times over. Yeah, I love it. But yeah, no, I, I think performance-wise, it is a while since I've seen The Postman as well. But I, without shadow of a doubt, I, I think it is his best performance. The the final sequence, which is is a four, forty-minute court sequence, and pretty mm-hmm. much all it is is Jim Garrison, played by Kevin Costner, just talking at us, or rather talking at the jury, for 40 minutes of it. That is ballsy for a film. Yeah, And he's very believable. He's you know, you could so stick him believable. in a courtroom and you'd think, yep, yeah, he's trained, he knows what knows his stuff. But not for one second did I think, how long has he been talking? Let me just check my watch. I was no. so engaged with that. The, the monologue that he's giving and also a little bit of trivia for you do you know when he seems to be getting upset well when he is getting upset that's him genuinely getting upset because he got so into the monologue that isn't him going oh we'll get upset or as far as I know it's not Oliver Stone going right look like you're choking up a bit that's mm-hmm. Costner getting so into it that he genuinely gets upset given that wow. speech which is just that the, the final 40 minutes is just like wow um, and then you've got the other amazing monologue in the film, which I went back and timed it, is the 16-minute Donald Sutherland, Mr. X uh, mm. sort of monologue, which is, it's one guy talking to another guy on a park bench. 
yeah. for 16 minutes. But yet, no, <laughs> so you think out of the whole three hours, 20 minutes of JFK, you've got near enough an hour, which is Kevin Costner talking through the screen or the mm-hmm. jury. And then you've got Donald Sutherland talking to a pretty much silent Kevin Costner for near enough an hour of the running time. Yeah. That's insane. No, I don't. I don't think I've ever seen another film that would do that. No, it's you know, it's like I say, it's one of those things that we, there was no flat moment. So you know, you know, any kind of dialogue that that goes on, you know, past five minutes, um, you d- you just don't notice. You're just that drawn into the film. It doesn't matter one little bit. I mean, I've seen that film probably about eight nine times. I think over the mm-hmm. years, so it came out on VHS. Uh, it dropped into the video store. I watched it once. Then, then a, f- a few years after, a director's cut came out with probably about ten, fifteen minutes extra footage in it, which was the scenes mm-hmm. that I was talking to you about, where you know the the men's bathroom and, and stuff like yeah. that. Uh, so I had that on VHS, which then came came packaged with a second videotape with this documentary called Beyond JFK. The something else it's called beyond jf it's actually on amazon prime this documentary because mm-hmm. i uh i'd watched it on youtube i'm like brilliant i'd sent you the youtube link and then yeah. i watched jfk the then it went oh you might want to watch this i'm like brilliant that's i could have watched it in slightly better quality on that <laughs> but that's worth watching because it mm-hmm. also takes in some of the making of the film as well so oliver stone's in it and you know it shows him recreating the grassy knoll and the book depository and all that sort of stuff so that's really good um, so I bought that one, and then when the film came out on DVD, I picked it up then, and then I got it as part of a £150 Oliver Stone box set, which I imported from the US, so I got it then, and then I think I've got a Blu-ray kicking around somewhere. So I bought this You're film. just making sure that if, if anything happens, you know, you, you're preserving the film for future generations. I'm just giving money back to Oliver Stone as a thank you for sending me a signed picture 20 years ago. I'm just very happy about that, <laughs> which I still have. Um, but but uh, so can I ask you something? Yeah. Then Stuart. Yeah. When did you first hear the name Oliver Stone? Then because oh, we've heard your story about you know um, you know the signed photo and everything. So yeah. when did you first hear about him? I was ten, I think, and I was trying to work this out. So I've got kind of like two stories for that one. So mm-hmm. story number one, he wrote the screenplay for a film called Midnight Express came out in yeah. 1978. I was born in 71, so I didn't watch that when it came out because I was seven. But my dad told me a story of one day he was going somewhere. I think he was flying to Malta or something, I think. And he had a few hours before his plane was due to leave, so he went to the movies. And mm-hmm. he just saw what was on. This was back in the day when there's maybe two, three screens most in a cinema. Yeah. And he's like, I'll watch this film about a train. Midnight Express, mm. which isn't about a train, but you think it might be with a name like Midnight Express. So he watched <laughs> that film, thoroughly enjoyed it. And then in the early 80s, when our house got a video recorder, which, you know, for those who don't know what a video recorder is, at that time it was something that weighed about half a ton and had a remote <laughs> control with a cable on it. <laughs> and he'd gone to the video store to rent a film and he'd seen, oh, Midnight Express. I, I, I enjoyed that film. I've not seen it. I will take that home and everybody can watch it so I saw that and I don't know if you've seen Midnight Express I haven't have no. it's based on a true story uh, a lot of it's covered in Oliver's book Chasing the Light so there was things in that where I'm like what 
what? I didn't know about that. Um, but I'm not going to spoil those things. But it is based on a true story about a guy called Billy Hayes who decides it's a smart thing to do to strap a load of hashish to his body and try and smuggle it out of Turkey to try and make some money <laughs> when he goes back to America. He's just about to get on the plane and they do a body search and they're like, they think he's got a bomb strapped to him so they all freak out and then they look and they go, oh, it's only drugs. So they arrest him. He kind of escapes but gets caught again and gets thrown in a Turkish prison for a crazy amount of time and it is one of the toughest prison films you'll ever see in your entire life and that film scarred me for many, many years because <laughs> I was probably about 11 when I saw it. So there is certain things that an 11-year-old should not watch and uh, one of them is people being brutalised in a Turkish prison. <laughs> so that was when I first saw the name Oliver, so- Oliver Stone on screen because he wrote the, mm-hmm. the screenplay and won the Oscar for it. So okay. in 1981, he also directed a Michael Caine film called The Hand, which is about uh, a guy who gets his hand cut off and his hand sort of starts chasing him around and murdering people. So it's very much not like a regular Oliver Stone film, but it's a fun Mm -hmm. film anyway. So that was probably the first one I saw of his, but Midnight Express was the one where I saw his name. I then ended up watching Scarface in 1983, which is also a screenplay written by Oliver Stone. So I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. that's the guy that did Midnight Express. So then when Platoon was coming out in 86, I'm like, and Salvador, I thought, oh, that's the guy that wrote Scarface and Midnight Express. I love those films. I will now follow this guy's career. And here I am to this date. So, uh-huh, interesting. so I'm not sure whether it was The Hand or Midnight Express. I suspect it was probably Midnight Express. Mm-hmm. was the first time that I was familiar with the name. But from that day forth, it's been like, right, what's he working on next? And uh, and I'm there to watch it. So I'm a bit like an Oliver Stone stalker, I think. <laughs> because if, <laughs> if you watch Experience at Comic-Con, the documentary I put together, there is actually a little sequence in there. Um, I, don't, I don't think it's called Chasing Oliver Stone because that would be a bit creepy. It was kind of me trying to be in the same room as Oliver Stone at San Diego Comic-Con, which I did manage to do, and I sat in the audience and watched him give the panel uh, about Snowden, where Joseph Gordon-Levitt was there and Zachary Quinto was there. So, yes, I've been in the same room as Spock. So, you know, there you go. And mm-hmm. uh, But, yeah, so there we go. So that's my little Oliver Stone journey. Very good. So, Jake, um would you recommend, as Nicole watched it, uh, no, she hasn't. Do you think she'd like it? Because I don't know. I don't know if it's a film that's for everybody. It should be, but mm-hmm. you know, some people are just a bit not quite into the the three hour twenty minute epic. Um, th- there's a, a possibility. Yeah, it's it's one of those fifty fifties actually that I'm not quite sure of, which which is something in its in itself because usually I can say yes or no straight away with a film. Yeah. Because uh, she's not into action films at all, um, and uh, but obviously I wouldn't class it as an action film. No. Um, so yeah, I think there's a chance. Okay. Because I'm just always curious. I was I remember being a little bit wary about introducing Annette to it. Because mm-hmm. yes, she likes history, but she's not like you are, where it's a case of let me seek out some history. I I want to learn stuff. She she likes movies to be entertaining, and mm-hmm. she watched it as part of my Oliver Stone festival. 
uh, home festival last year where I went through 17 of his films and watched them all in like a two-week <laughs> period and she saw JFK on that one. She loved it. And she yeah. she even sat down yesterday and watched you know bits and pieces of it. Not not the full mm-hmm. duration because she'd seen it kind of recently, but uh, that was definitely a thumbs up on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we then move on to Snowden. Now, what did mm-hmm. I? I'd heard the name Ed Snowden before. Didn't really know that much about him. Um, I sort of associated him with the in the same way as Julian Assange in the, you know the WikiLeaks thing and yeah, around that time. Exactly. So it's like I, I remember for a little while there, I thought, "Oh, is Snowden the WikiLeaks guy?" Because we're in the UK, we don't get all the US news and, and stuff like that. So I'm like, "Who's that guy?" But then I very quickly learned that yes, they were in fact different people. Mm-hmm. Um, would I have watched Snowden if it wasn't an Oliver Stone film? Probably not. I would have watched it if somebody recommended it to me. Mm-hmm. But obviously, with me being an Oliver Stone movie whore. I'm like, oh, he could read the news and I'd watch it. Um, yeah. I watched it quicker than I probably would have, but I'm very glad that I did watch it. So what did you, what did you know about Snowden beforehand? And obviously what did you think of the film itself? Not much. The only thing uh, I really knew about uh, Snowden was, um, you know, it, it was quite recent and it, it was one of those, um, cases where you know he'd been uh, accused of um leaking uh, american secrets um and that's as far as it it went you know i'm one of these people um i like to keep up with the uh, with the uh, with the news so um every day you'll find me on google news just kind of skimming the headlines so um when um you know, Snowden was was big in the headlines. Obviously, I was reading that information, but it didn't go any further than that. I didn't click on the article to read more. It was just, You're aware you know, it. Edward Snowden, you know, America wants him, blah, blah, blah. Um, so, yeah, the, you know, I, I knew very little uh, less than JFK. Um, the, the movie itself, in my mind before watching it before it was recommended to me it was probably on the same level probably a bit higher actually um just because i'm not an apple fan as like steve jobs <laughs> which i'm still pestering you to watch yeah and you will love that film when you've watched it just saying but yeah i know what you mean <laughs> yeah. you know it was like oh, how, how interesting can a movie be based on you know some guy you you know supposedly done some bad things and america wants him you know it's you know it's, it's not going to be as good as uh you know aliens running around and <laughs> yeah. uh you know abducting people and that kind of stuff yeah. you know but i'll give it a go stuart stuart's uh asked me to and uh i was pleasantly surprised well i wasn't actually because i'd watched jfk beforehand so i was i was kind of primed at that point you know yeah if this is half as good as jfk we're in for a treat yeah and uh you know i, I wasn't disappointed no i i initially also thought it was going to be a biopic mm-hmm. you know so we'd see scenes of little baby snowden going to college yeah. <laughs> you know that sort of stuff um and i like the fact that the film did jump around with the time scales because it keeps it because yeah. it's like how exciting can you make a film about a guy copying things onto a memory stick and then yeah. trying to sneak it to a journalist it's it's not easy to make that film exciting no uh oliver managed it as as i knew he would but i think part of that is the the jumping around of the time scales and we get to see different aspects and you know different people in snowden's life 
Mm-hmm. Um, what did you think of Gordon Levitt? Um, well, I actually enjoyed everybody in the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there wasn't anybody that I thought, um, you know, didn't play, you know, a good role. So, um, you know, I thought he made a a, a great um, Snowden. I remember when I watched it with Annette and she was like, what's with his voice? I'm like, well, that's probably what Snowden's voice is kind of like. And then when well, when you hear clips, it's like, it is kind of like that. It's like people always go, why do you put a voice on? Because they're playing somebody else. That's why. Well, that's that's the thing. In, you know, I, I've learned to just ignore all that um, over the years yeah. because um, especially when you know um, kind of people from other shows. So, you know, I... You know, my first um, thoughts were, "Ooh, third rock from the sun." Yes, because that's where I know him um, from as well. Like I yeah, saw him for I, years. You know, I was a, I was a huge third rock fan. Yeah. Um. So you know, you know, every, whatever night it was on or whatever, I'd be sitting there watching it, um, episode uh, after episode, week after week. Um, so yeah, third rock from the sun was the first thing um, that came to mind, and then kind of a, you remember the other things. So I think it's um, ten things I hate about you. He's in. Yes, he was. Um, yeah. And that you know, so these are the little things that that I'd watched him in, um, kind of came to the surface. And yeah, you know, like Annette says, his voice is very different to what you're used to yeah. with him. Yeah. Um, but it didn't it didn't throw me off because it was just one of those, yeah, he's playing a part. So, um, you know, it's, it's done for a reason. I think, it, Plus, I, think you know, I think it only, be- the guy's voice could have broken. He's, it's been a it's, many years. since he's, <laughs> he's been It's got, like, got like Edward Furlong <laughs> in the middle of Terminator two, his voice broke. Um, but yeah, what's going to say about the voices? I can't remember. I forgot. No, you've made me forget. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's quite all right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, that's it. The, the, the thing with the voices only becomes an issue. If, the character sort of breaks and, and loses the accent or the voice and then goes back to it. You know, yeah. we've all seen films like that where you're like, what accent is that? Because it keeps jumping from Scottish to English to Irish to American to Australian. Uh, Joseph's voice did not change whatsoever, so I was totally no. convinced. But I've always been able to do that as well. I've had many an argument on Twitter where people are like, how can you like that actor, like that actress, when they, when they do this, that and the other? And you go, well, because I'm watching the film. I'm yeah. watching a character. I'm not watching, you know, I wasn't sitting watching that film or JFK going, oh, look, let's see Kevin Costner play Jim Garrison. I was watching Jim Garrison do his thing and I was watching Joseph Gordon-Levitt be Snowden. I wasn't watching an actor perform. Um, so, yeah, but some people can't do that because yeah. they're daft. I have to say a, a treat for me with Snowden, which... Um, you know, I, I knew nothing about until he popped up with Nicolas Cage. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, for for me, big Nicolas Cage fan, so seeing him pop up uh, on screen, it was like, wow, this is like Christmas come early. You know, you've got JFK, um, you know, with, with this stellar cast and, and Kevin Costner and that kind of stuff. And then you got Snowden following, be, uh, you know, behind it. And again, great cast and, you know, Nicolas Cage popping up was just like the cherry on top it was it was really good well Nick, Nicolas Cage had worked with Oliver Stone previously on World Trade Center so uh, yes. the story goes that he sort of 
yep, yeah, I'll be in Snowden for like a couple of days or whatever it was. So they've, if you've not seen World Trade Center, then definitely check that out. That is that is a film that suffers from people thinking they know what it's going to be about before they actually watch it or read up on it. Um, yeah, I think World Trade Center is one of those films that I've wanted to see, yeah. but I've always been worried that it might be a bit too raw because, you know, obviously... Yeah, you know, it's such a big kind of event in modern history, and it was something that you know I can still remember to this day what I was doing throughout the day um, while it all unfolded. So uh, you know, and with having kind of ties to America and lots of friends over there and everything, it was uh, it was a scary time. So I think um, it's a movie that you know is definitely been on my radar, yeah. but it's just something that I- I've never actually. Um, said go on then i'm, I'm gonna sit down and watch it i would say you'll be fine with that film and i will mm-hmm. explain why um, i think with jfk oliver stone has been tarred with this brush where he's a troublemaker over the years people call oh, a controversial filmmaker and and so i don't know what he thinks of that title but people seem to tar him with that so when jfk came out and had a lot of different conspiracy theories in it and then everybody's like, oh he's a conspiracy theory person and which apparently that's a bad thing i don't know but if you question the official story apparently that's a bad thing and nobody should do it or that means you're crazy who knows um so therefore a lot of other films came out and they presumed that oliver was going to tackle like oh some sort of conspiracy thing on it. So when he announced that he was going to do World Trade Center, they were like, "Oh, he's going to do a film where, where it's like the government did it and all this happened and oh, and who who actually crashed the planes?" And it's like it's really not that film. This is a film about two members of the Port Authority. One of them played by Nicolas Cage. They go into the towers to rescue people and they get stuck under the building. Mm-hmm. And that is the film. It's about these yeah. two guys trapped people trying to rescue them and their families outside going what is going on you know where's our husbands that's what world trade center is so it isn't like a a jfk type plot transposed to new york 2001 um it is a 12 certificate as well so it's not it's not a gruesome film it is very very well handled i saw that at the cinema when it came out um, not because I necessarily wanted to watch a film called World Trade Center, but because Oliver, St- Oliver Stone's name was on it. And I'm like, I mm-hmm. trust the guy. I know I'm going to get something very, very special. And I yeah. did. Mm-hmm. So, And that's obviously f- a full movie with Nicolas Cage in. So mm-hmm. that is one that I would probably put on uh, your list. So um, just to jump back to JFK, and then we'll jump back to Snowden. Yep. So JFK, what are the things that spring to mind highlights for you from that film uh can i say and you know hopefully you'll laugh because i think it's funny yep. uh um tommy lee's hair <laughs> yeah i thought you were gonna say joel pesci's hair because usually people sort of talk about david oh, yeah, Ferry. The, the thing is you know when, when you see joe pesci in it as well you know yeah look at the hair that is funny yeah. but it's not like tommy lee you no. know with that kind of uh, blonde afro yep <laughs> he got an Oscar nomination for that hair though so that was as well as his performance as well obviously but yeah so yeah Tommy Lee's hair that's a good one yep yeah. anything else Spence um, um, I don't if, it's really difficult it actually because you know standout moments and everything in a film that has kind of um, quiet 
parts and and kind of boring parts and everything. You know, yeah, standout moments is this, this, and this. Whereas, as I said with JFK, honestly, that whole film, thing was, <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah w- was kind of riveting and and had me sitting there thinking, oh my god. Um, the, I think the stand the biggest standout moment is because I know you said you know. Um, Oliver Stone gets this reputation for being a troublemaker and everything. I don't see it as that because I didn't get to the end of the film and especially then when I did a little bit of research online after think, oh, so he lied. He, you know, this was made up because this hasn't been proven and this, you know, what is great is the fact that it made me do some research. That whole fact that the whole film, you know, kind of pushed this quest for the truth and, and and for knowledge. It didn't kind of force things on me or try to force things on me. It actually made me make my uh, make a decision to go and find out further. So, um, you know, that's a, a standout moment for me, you know, how it made me feel. Which, I mean, um, we like the fact that it makes us think and makes us question things. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't like that. And that's where the aspect of, oh, bloody Oliver Stone is a troublemaker comes out. Even before this film was out, the media were out to get him because he was daring yeah. to make... Because obviously, you go back and you see Platoon. That mm-hmm. Previous to Platoon, Vietnam War movies were The Deer Hunter which is a good film and it has tough moments in it, but it's not, on all accounts, a true Vietnam film. And then you had Mm -hmm. Apocalypse Now, which is kind of very fairy tale-ish Vietnam movie. And then you get Platoon, which just walks up to you and hits you with a sledgehammer several times. And then Born on the Fourth of July, which starring Tom Cruise, which is another great film, but that's very hard-hitting as well, as well it should be. That comes up and it's like, hey, do you remember that sledgehammer I gave you a platoon? Here's another one. And wallops you with yeah. it again. Um, so the, the media and the, a lot of people don't seem to like the truth being thrown at them. So yeah. therefore they do get the knives out, and uh, which is a shame. You see, looking back at uh, JFK... I almost see the character of Jim Garrison as being Oliver Stone. It's, it's almost like they've both got the same uh, kind of drive. Yeah. They both want to find out the truth. Yeah. Um, so, you know, yeah, it's just a, a spectacular film, really. You know, it's really, you know, hard for me to nail down any particular uh, kind of scenes or moments. It's the whole film, yeah. It's yeah, good it really it's is. It's a right answer. There is no wrong or ans- right or wrong answer, but there is no wrong answer to that question. But uh, I think the standout moments for me, other than the entire film, the music score by John Williams, right from the mm-hmm. opening narration by Martin Sheen, you're like, I'm in, mm-hmm. uh, is the 16-minute monologue by Donald Sutherland, which is just insanely engaging, and then the whole mm-hmm. final court sequence where Jim Garrison is, is trying to bring Clay Shaw to uh, to justice there is one moment which i'd read about and it was only yesterday when i clocked it and it was there is one line that that jim garrison says and it is and now it's up to you and at that moment if you go back and look at it kevin costner looks right into the camera lens and he's telling us it's it's <sighs> up to us and i'd read about that before and i'm like oh, that's kind of cool but then i was looking at it yesterday and it's like wow that is a, a very finite moment that stays with me it's like that mm-hmm. still haunts me that that moment it's very very clever because obviously it's he's not necessarily talking to the jury 
he's telling us, the people that are watching this film, you know, 20 years later, that it is up to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of bits of trivia. Did, uh, Oliver Stone's son is actually Jim Garrison's son in the film. Oh. So Sean Stone's in there. He pops up in a lot of movies. So obviously, getting older and stuff, he pops up in any given Sunday. He's in doors, <laughs> so he's in there. And uh, the, the one bit of trivia I didn't know, and as far as I know it's true, because it's on IMDb, so therefore it must be true, is the the dog, the family dog, is mm-hmm. that actually belongs to the author of Interview with a Vampire, Anne Rice. Wow. Apparently they borrowed her dog, which is like, <laughs> I'd, love to, I'd love to have seen how that conversation comes about. Hi, can yeah. I borrow your dog to be in a movie? But, uh, but yeah, no, I love that. Uh, Snowden, highlights of Snowden? Um, hmm. It's a tough one again because it's such a good movie. Um, I like seeing um, kind of any film that involves hackers yeah. or or people kind of doing computer hacks. I like seeing something that looks believable, and it mm-hmm. certainly did look believable. So, you know, hats off there. Um, because it's very rare in films, isn't it? Normally, when they're like, "Let me just hack into this computer," and it's all big, yeah, it's all some... big funky coloured graphics and something looks like Lawnmower Man. You're like, "No, yeah, just... a, a magic map <laughs> of the world comes up there. It's all 3D and Ju- you know. it's Jurassic Park. That one, isn't it? Let me just move my mouse over to the security uh, things. You're like, <laughs> "No," but no, it did look. And apparently, he did put a lot of research in and spoke to you know real life computer geniuses to make that look authentic. Yeah. <clears throat> again it's so difficult because you know um you you look at it and you go well i really liked when um he moved to hawaii yep but but then again that's part of the story and it would have been there you know if that is true then that you know that's there just just for the story you know it's it's just again another uh, well put together film and I really uh, am having great difficulty uh, answering these questions. Well, that's, stop well no, that's but the thing is, though, your answers are great. I mean, if you turned around and you went, well, I like that bit when he did this, that, and the other, then that's the right answer. But if you turn around and say, yeah, I'm struggling because I thought the whole film was great, then that's also a right answer. So that's good. I'm happy with whatever your answers are. Uh, one of the standouts for me was the scene where he is leaving his workplace in Hawaii for, I'm guessing, the final time. And you can just see this little, as he gets further away from the building, this little tiny smile, just mm, uh, this yeah. sense of relief. And then it, it sort of cuts to behind him and his silhouette is just covered in light. And it's like him just walking into a whole new world and he thinks, right, it's all going to be great now. And obviously there are still tough times and stuff ahead. But th- that little smile that he does where he's like, wow, I'm free of the stuff behind me. I thought it was amazing. Yeah. Again, this is one of those films that, um, you know, much like JFK, um, it got me thinking. Mm. Um, it got me thinking to find out more about the history of, of Snowden. But what it also did was get me thinking about, you know, where do I kind of sit on the whole scale of what he did? Because, you know, the you know, being a whistleblower like he was and how he did it, you know, obviously 
against the law in in America, and you know the the guys, you know, can't go back because he'll be arrested. Yep. Um, and you think, well, you know, America is your country, you know, so surely, you know, you should um, think about that, you know, and and don't release any information that could potentially um, be seen as harming the country. But then you do look at, you know things like the Holocaust and everything like that, where, you know, people who were with the guards there have been put on trial because they should have made a, a stand and, and just not followed orders blindly. Yep. Uh, you know, it, it's a, it's a real difficult one. Um, and you know, it, it makes you kind of question where, um, you would be um, yourself in that situation. And I think a lot of that, you can see him having these uh, battles of conscience in the film. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, when he's walking down the, the whatever, the, the through the park or whatever, Shailene would... It's, it's, I don't know if it is actually Shailene at the time, but um, so he's saying, well, I'm a patriot. She's like, how can you be? And mm-hmm. there's this whole, look, don't, don't accuse me of not loving my country. I really, really do. And he mm-hmm. does... But he also sees that maybe his country is a little bit broken. Mm-hmm. And it is one of those dilemmas, isn't it? It's kind of like you see your best friend committing a crime. What mm-hmm. would you do? You know, would you would you mm-hmm. inform him on him or would you just pretend I didn't see anything? It's it is one of those debates, but on a obviously a far grander scale when it comes to Snowden. Yeah. But you could see these these conscious battles on uh, on screen and stuff so i wouldn't like to be in his position i've got a standout moment actually thinking about okay. it the end of the movie where yes yeah where um we we haven't got um joseph as the actor playing edward snowden yeah. anymore and we've got the real Edward Snowden. i love it when films do that and there's a few movies that do it but i think it's such a nice treat because it is a case mm. of right now we know what he actually looks like. I mean, you can anyway by going and googling stuff. But yeah, it made me think though again. Oh, how is this filmed? You know, did uh, Oliver Stone kind of get on a, a plane and go over to uh, to Russia? I don't know. I haven't, I haven't yeah. researched that. Part o- Oliver, he has, he has yeah. met him more than once. Uh, he went to see him in Moscow, so they have had conversations. And I don't mm-hmm. know if that's when they shot footage or whatever, but but yes, they have met. So now that was very, very clever. Because, you know, part of me thinks, well, you know, was was Snowden just sitting there and kind of had a local team in to, to record it or, or whatever? But no, interesting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, go on the trivia for the film Snowden, and it is. You can go say hi to Snowden on Twitter. He's actually on Twitter. Uh, he is following one person or one account, and that is the NSA in America. That is the only account that he's following. But he's got something like one... <laughs> nothing like poking <laughs> Nothing like poking him at all. But I was on there yesterday, and I'm like, I wonder if he's been on. And he did say he was taking a little bit of a Twitter sabbatical. And this was only a few days ago. So he does still pop up on Twitter now and again. I'm pretty sure he'll hide his IP address when he is uh, mm-hmm. t- tweeting or whatever. But he's on there, so as is Oliver, obviously. Um <laughs> But yeah, so are you trusting me with my Oliver Stone recommendations then? I am. And that's the tricky this is uh, you know <laughs> this is completely trusting now, you know, you could tell me what to watch anything I will. by Oliver there, Stone and and I'm there better. there are two. And this is this is something that's not been bothering me all week, but it has been on my mind. Because you do kinda get a little bit cocky, don't you, when you go, Oh well, I've I've 
done well on this one, so let's let's go for another one. You don't want to <laughs> recommend one that you might not like, and I know that you like most movies, but there are certain which yeah. which ones shall I recommend next? I don't, obviously don't want to go just watch all eighteen of the ones you've not seen because that's kind of that's yeah, kind of cheating. I- I'm pretty sure that last year, I think every movie I, I talked about on the podcast, I said, yeah, thought it was a good movie. Yep. Um, that will change uh, come later on when oh. we when we talk about what we've watched this week. Oh, but, well. um, so, yeah, you know, I, I am I am willing to change, so do not point me in the wrong direction. Nope, I will not. There, there are <laughs> two that I'm thinking of. Um, okay. One of them is on Amazon Prime. So we're safe on that one. Right. The other one would be World Trade Center, which I'm not sure where that is available yet. But okay. so, you know, maybe you won't be able to see that one just yet because I know you're primarily digital for your uh, yeah. for your film watching. But I really want you to watch Heaven and Earth. Okay, well, I haven't heard of it. It is... In fact, I'm not even going to tell you what it's about but it, because I don't want you to go in thinking it's going to be uh, a certain type of. If there's any questions you want to ask me about that film, by all means, I I mm-hmm. wouldn't say you sit down with your eight year old daughter and watch it because there's a couple of scenes in it where like whoa, um, okay. but I think you'd be fine watching it with Nicole. Um, <laughs> it is my very very favourite Oliver Stone movie, uh-huh. and it was the reason that I actually decided to handwrite a letter to Oliver Stone many many years ago, to which he sent mm-hmm. me that wonderful signed picture. So. Um, because okay. I love it. It was a film that came out. It's based on a true story. It is a film where the media and a lot of people went, "Oh, Oliver Stone. Oh, let's let's get the knives out. Let's let's just be dicks and uh, no bother watching it." And they missed out on one of the best films that I've seen. If I have to do a top ten films of all time, not just Oliver Stone once, but my all time, Heaven and Earth is in it. Okay. So there's that one, and that's on Amazon Prime. And then ob- ob- I will watch it. And, obviously, the um, other ones were at World you. Trade Center. Uh, how are you in American football? Do you like it? Do you not like it? Um, I, uh, I I like American football. Um, the uh, growing up um, with uh, a stepdad who uh, was. Uh, uh, you know, not only a basketball player, but also a coach and also a referee. Um, with basketball being a big American sport, we always used to watch uh, NFL as well. Um, so we'd be supporting the Washington Redskins, which was his team. So obviously that became my team. Okay. So I know a bit and I like it. I would recommend also then Any Given Sunday from, I believe it was okay. 1999, which is starring Al Pacino, James Woods. Uh, Oliver Stone is actually in it. Uh, Cameron Diaz, whole bunch of people. Great cast list, and that is about okay. American football. The the teams are made up because mm-hmm. the and I don't know much about American football, guys. You'll probably be able to tell in about thirty seconds. But whatever the league is that's <laughs> in charge of American football went. No, we're not letting you use our official names. So he had to make up different teams. But other than that. You know that's that's pretty much the the fiction part, but it's, uh, it was mm-hmm. the film that pretty much also, also launched Jamie Fox onto the world. So, uh, so there's a bonus one. So any given Sunday, World Trade Center, mm-hmm. Heaven and Earth. Okay. My final question before we move out of this near enough an hour Oliver Stone section. So Oliver, if you're listening, hi. Hope you've enjoyed. Um, <laughs> so, say you were sitting down with him, Rob. Okay. What would you what what 
questions would you ask him? Or what sort of way would you take the conversation? Because this is something else that's been bugging me for a little while. It's like, what would I do? Excuse me, could you sign this napkin for my next Stuart? <laughs> yes, I know. Because <laughs> the original photo he's got is a little bit faded because it got uh, got daylight polluted at some point. <laughs> it's always good to have a backup. That's why you've got uh, 20 copies of JFK. Yes, it is. Um, good question. You know what? I'd like to know a bit about his life, how he got into movie making, and um, just a bit of his background because... You know, I'll put my hand up and say I don't know about a lot about Oliver Stone, so I may as well start at the beginning and, you know, have, have it straight from the horse's mouth, as it were. Yeah. So, you know, find out how, um, you know, movies became a passion, how he got into it, and what his real driving force is creating these movies. Because for me now, watching JFK and Snowden, a lot of it seems to make to be making people um to think um you know question what you're being told all the time don't necessarily take the first thing that you're told um as gospel and uh yeah just uh almost a drive for the truth and i'd like to see if that kind of holds up or if it was just kind of the the films i've watched so far that that makes me think that i think the drive does carry on i've been watching this film <laughs> since the mid 80s and it carries on Right through his films. That's very, very good. I think uh, if Oliver was here, hi, Oliver, uh, he would say, if you want to know how I got into filmmaking, do get my book, Chasing the Light, which does actually cover a lot of that. It goes mm-hmm. from a lot of his uh, childhood stories. It talks about his parents. It talks about how he went to Vietnam uh, as a teacher. Then he came back. Then he enlisted and he went over there. It goes into a lot of what happened to him over there. Then he comes back. What's he going to do with his life? Start screenwriting. It goes right up to the moment he won the Oscar for Platoon. And then that's when the book ends because that's that's mm-hmm. when he caught the light, when he was at the top of his game. And uh, hopefully there is a volume two coming out at some point called Chasing More Light or, or something like that. But I'm partway through reading that book. I don't want to finish it. That's it. I'm reading it. I'm reading it really slowly because I don't want it to finish because it's like I'm really enjoying this. So I will literally read like a section per day just because I, I, you know what it's like. It's like when you watch a good TV yeah. series, you go, well, I could either do what I really want to do and just binge this thing and just finish it by sundown. But then I've nothing else, <laughs> I've nothing else to read. So I've opted just to read it in small sections and then digest every section and, and move on and stuff. But it's fascinating i'm very much enjoying that um and i'm presuming this is a, a big book it's not that big if it was it's in the other room otherwise i would show you how many pages it was but it's not huge you know it's not telephone directory size or anything but it's a few hundred pages yeah it's uh yeah it's not as big as the schwarzenegger book if you've ever read that one that thing was huge that was as big <laughs> as arnie was uh, but i've also been watching a lot of interviews and commentaries and podcasts and stuff i heard a really good one that it did with louis theroux which he did mm-hmm. uh, a few months back, and that was fascinating. And uh, it's a lot of people, they, they, they quiz him on his politics, and it's like they're trying to trip him up sometimes. What about this? What about that? What about this? And it's like, and the guy knows his stuff, but I really want to know what, what he enjoys. I want to know what Oliver Stone does when he's not doing an interview. It's like, what, what film does he put on? What music does mm-hmm. he like? What uh, what TV shows does he enjoy? What the process of him writing a screenplay is, how he starts with it. Because 90% of the the 
interviews that I hear are politically based mm. and as much as people like politics and stuff I'm sure that not, not everybody could do that 24 hours a day it must be exhausting because uh, yeah. I remember yeah. I don't know if it was you or whether it was Annette or whether it was Bob that said oh, I, they were laughing saying if I if I spoke to Oliver Stone I'd just be starstruck mm. and I wouldn't necessarily be starstruck I would be but I wouldn't be I would just be I don't I'm never going to try and compete with him intellectually on political knowledge because I would lose, <laughs> guaranteed, because I'm not a massive <laughs> political expert. I would never try and debate what happened to JFK or, or the, about the life of Richard Nixon or, or anything like that. I just want to know, kind of like you said, the Oliver Stone, the filmmaker part. You know, what mm. routine does he have when he's on a film set? What, what's the most fun we don't generally hear people asking Oliver Stone what what things makes him smile. What fun does he have? And I really want to find that out. So that that's probably the <laughs> angle I'd go at. Let's talk about your movies. What 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 sort of snacks do you eat when you're on a film set? What do yeah. you enjoy? <laughs> what do you think about all these interviews when people just keep bringing up things? And it's if it if it's like a game of chess for people. Um, the, I think the worst interview. I ever heard, and thankfully I can't remember who it is, but they had somebody on who was, so you worked with Woody Harrelson in Natural Born Killers. I did. What was he like? So Oliver would say, this is what Woody Harrelson was like. Uh, What was Juliette Lewis like? Well, she was all right. And then you worked with Nicolas Cage in World Trade Center. What was Nicolas like? And this was like five or six names, and I was just getting—I was getting madder by the second. I'm like, my God, the, these people have got one of my favorite filmmakers on a conversation. They can literally ask him anything, and all they're doing is going, "What about this guy? What about that guy?" I was getting mad. I was getting absolutely mad listening to this interview. I did finish it, but it was like, what? But then it makes me think. Going right, what would I say? to to him if I was talking to him so you know unfortunately the only answer to that is I won't know unless I'm fortunate enough to speak to him which may happen may not happen who knows so thank you to Oliver Stone not that you're listening anyway and if you were you've probably run off and blocked me but no thank you for all the films that you've done over the years be it produced all the documentaries all the audio commentaries the audio commentaries are amazing they're they're just like films all themselves uh, thank you for sending me a signed picture 20 years ago and uh, thank you for writing Chasing the Light now stop listening to this podcast and carry on writing volume 2 because I can't wait to find out what happened after Platoon so uh, anybody who isn't familiar with the two films we've talked about go watch them trust me please you do. will absolutely yeah. love them and it will make you think and make you talk and make you have discussions just like the one mm-hmm. that me and Mr. Dyer here of Hudford near enough the past hour. Mm-hmm. So now we've done our uh, Oliver Stone tribute, part one. What mm-hmm. else? What else has been going on? Has there anything else going on? I mean, JFK is quite a long film, so maybe there is nothing else that's happened this week. <laughs> so what what have you been up to, Rob? Uh, for me, um, I've actually been taking it easy, which is uh, a strange thing to say. Um, usually it's work, 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 but no, I've been taking it easy. I've been, I've been enjoying a, a lull in the work, uh, front and, uh, just, um, tidying my office and, uh, living my best life doing pretty much nothing other than watching a bit of TV. Those are the best sort of weeks to have. I've, for, for the most, I've been kind of doing that as well. Although as per usual, I've been failing miserably 
because that's generally <laughs> what happens. You go, right, I'm going to have four days when I'm not at work and I'm doing nothing. Um, mm-hmm. And then you end up doing something. Yeah. So, but uh, I got my Xbox. My Xbox Series Woo-hoo! X it showed up. It is the smallest console in the world, but it's great. Uh, is it smaller than the uh, the SNES Mini? Or I, the NES I don't Mini? think it's smaller than the SNES Mini or the X Mini, but it's it's it's. Then I have just debunked, <laughs> debunked your claims. You have debunked it. I uh, <laughs> I did find out one clanger, which uh, thank you, Alan Stone, for teaching me. Never <laughs> listen to the first thing you're told. There we go. Brilliant. Oliver's long gone now. He's like he's bailed out of his hour. <laughs> uh, he's off to write Chasing the Light Volume Two. Um, is I've signed up for Game Pass, which is about ten pounds a month. You get your free online service, which is not free because you're paying ten pounds a month. But you get access to all these different games, and one of them is the the complete series of the Halo games. Which I thought, well, I like the Halo games; they're really good. I'm going to play them all again because I've never played them on the Xbox One or the Xbox Series X or whatever it is. So I'm going to get all my achievements. It'll be good. So because I've still got an Xbox. One S, and we went through this whole conversation about the confusing names. So I will try and try and slow down for that. As uh, I started playing it in the living room, so I was playing it on the Xbox, the the old Xbox. We'll call it the old Xbox. I was playing it on that, mm-hmm. few levels, brilliant. Now I'm going to go upstairs and carry on playing it on my uh, on my original Xbox. So I put it on, and I, did it, did it. I think this is the the beginning level again. I don't think the save things kind of worked. Let me quit that. So I did quit, and it overrode overwrote my save game so it doesn't work from one console to the other so i'm now having to start halo again upstairs uh, so i can get all my achievements so that didn't quite work out like i like mm-hmm. i had planned but uh you did ask me whether i can notice any difference on the graphics i, I can did. on halo oh not like oh my god that's so much better but it is noticeably yeah. better. Now, bearing in mind, I'm playing a game that wasn't even designed for this new console. So mm-hmm. there shouldn't really be that much of a graphical difference, but I can notice one. So yeah. that is uh, that is very, very good. I so, what, so you've been taking it easy. What else have you done then? You must have been doing something other than taking it easy. Uh, taking it easy, watching movies, watching TV, um, sorting autographs out. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and well, I had a birthday. You did have a birthday, <laughs> yes. And how did that go? Uh, it went very well. Um, you know, a lot of people are complaining about their lockdown birthdays. Again, very much like lockdown. I didn't find there was anything to complain about. Actually, I thought it was really nice. Um, I video chatted with my parents. I spoke to yourself good sir on the phone you know the people i care about and who matter to me i got to spend time with and and speak to um you know i had some cool gifts thank you very much for my power rangers book it's absolutely amazing (laughs) Uh and i know you've heard that a lot but it is true um and for those listening anybody who knows me knows that i like props so any book that is thick about a subject i like and has lots of pullouts and photos that is just me in heaven and Stuart provided that so thank you very much power rangers fans everywhere will be uh you know ecstatic that somebody else is now buying uh merchandise uh. <laughs> yeah. um so yeah it was it was a real a uh, really good day um, you know, lockdown didn't spoil it one little bit. 
and uh, I got to eat cake and trifle. Nice. Sounds like a good birthday then. Yeah. Not too bad at all. I think other than me, I'm trying to think why. Did I manage to get an extra day off work? Because my boss texted me uh, about 10 minutes after I'd finished my third shift saying, do you want tonight off? But I'd gone to sleep because that's what you do when you've had an 11-hour night shift. (laughs) So I didn't pick that text up until about half past 12 that day. And I'm like, no. So I replied really quickly. And then obviously I didn't know whether I was going to get that night off or not or had I been too late. But about half five that evening, it was like, yep, enjoy your night off. So I got an extra day off, which was quite nice. So I managed to put my sleep patterns into correct alignment a little bit earlier than normal. So I'm now, this is now Sunday night. I'm back into work on Tuesday night. So I've still got another couple of days off. Uh, I did try and have a catch up with La Mrs. Mum about filming, but I ended up being a talk about websites, which uh, I know you're privy <laughs> to a lot of that. As far as I know, that has kind of sorted itself out in regards to the uh, look, just go away type mm-hmm. answers that we came up with. Um, Good. Because I've not heard anything since, which is kind of, that was definitely the strangest. <laughs> I'm going to pay you for X amount of services and then I'm going to cause you tons of trouble. That was kind of weird. Uh, I've been trying to do a bit of reading rather than a lot of film watching, although I have watched a lot of films, which we'll get on to. I haven't done any more writing because I've just felt the need not to this week. And I'm still struggling how to try and schedule film watching and reviewing in. So I know we watch a whole bunch of stuff for a podcast and we watch JFK and Snowden and stuff, but there's still a bunch <laughs> of films that I, I need to watch and review. I oh, feel life of me, I could not work out a decent formula to just get that done. It's like I think there are just too many films to watch and I can't mm-hmm. possibly review them all. So I, I, that's my uh, ever going battle with that one. Uh, TV-wise, I've been watching The Stand, the new one. I've still decided that I prefer the McGarris miniseries. I do like this new series. It's a very good cover version of the original one that I got you on Blu-ray. So I will always gravitate mm-hmm. back to that. I've finished season two and season South Africa of Bulletproof. So I am fully up to date on Bulletproof. I had like a, a three-day period when it's like, right... Come on, Ashley Walters. Come on, Noel Clark. I am going to watch, I think it's like 11 episodes in total of season two mm-hmm. and then the uh, special season three. And we've just finished season three of The West Wing. So we're now starting season four. So TV-wise, that's all I've watched this week. Wow. What about yourself, TV-wise? Right, TV-wise, I'm uh, I'm right there with you on, on Bulletproof. Um, I watched season three, but I didn't just watch it once. I watched it twice. Um, I watched, um, a show just the other day, um, on, it's just dropped on Amazon prime called the great escapists. It's, um, Richard Hammond from the grand tour and Tori Belecci from Mythbusters. Um, they, uh, they're building weird and wonderful things to get off a fictional desert Island that they've been deserted on. Um, and I blitzed through the six episodes of, of that series, um, and I also watched all 10 episodes of the Amazon series Upload. Yes, you were recommending which, that to me, weren't you? Yeah. Um, you know, for anybody who hasn't seen it, then um, if if you could uh, imagine that life doesn't have to end with death, um, there, there is um, somewhere else. And it's called um, a load of web servers down the road. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
yeah, basically you can upload your conscious, um, you know, during the, the last moments of your life um, and, and live on. But also not only live on, you can still communicate with the living because you still have access to your uh, mobile phone uh, and that kind of thing. It's a really good show and uh, I, I really recommend it. And you have, and I've added it to my list, mm-hmm. my ever-growing list of things to watch. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, you know, three full series uh, uh, of, of TV show in uh, a week or a week that's, and a bit. It's not. It's not bad. bad going, is it? I remember a couple of weeks ago I said I'm going to try and watch a series a week, and so far <laughs> I did watch all of season two of Bulletproof. I did watch all Bulletproof South Africa, and I watched Bosch season six. So kind of done it, but I don't know if it's something mm-hmm. I'm going to carry on every single week i might i might not who knows but what so what do you think of bulletproof south africa i get the impression that it was originally meant to be season three uh, mm-hmm. but obviously then the pandemic decided to you know rear its ugly head and cause chaos all across the world and i think rather than shelve it i think they decided mm-hmm. right let's give the viewers something to look at and we'll make yeah. this into a, a three-part which i'm very glad they did but it now means what they're going to do for season three, uh, and we will we will yeah. get one. But uh, what were your thoughts on it? Um, well, obviously, I loved mm-hmm. it because I watched it twice. Um, the you know everything about Bulletproof just just screams high class and quality. You know, I just can't get enough of it. Um, one thing I was wondering though is um, the you know how easy really is it for for you know, some cops from uh, the UK to run around another country, yeah, though, guns. Um, shooting <laughs> people in the heads and, and, and that kind of stuff. You know? I think I'm not sure. I think it. That. I think it's probably as easy as it is in the UK, judging from a lot of season two. <laughs> and I think you've you've definitely got to suspend a lot of disbelief. Yeah. This is not a program that's trying to be like you know gritty and hard hitting and genuine i think it is lethal weapon bad boys or uh you know that sort of show tango and cash type thing but yeah there there was a lot of the south africa where you're like really okay but i loved it i thought it was really good i battered it in a single session i treated it like Mm -hmm. a two-hour movie yeah so it was very very good and now i'm eagerly awaiting season three which Mm -hmm. who knows when that'll be who knows when anything's coming out anymore I'm not even going to give dates for for anything, but uh, so film wise, what have you watched movie wise? I've watched a few. Uh, movie wise, I watched a film called The Rental on Amazon. Yeah, I want to watch this actually. Um, or should I not? <laughs> I, I don't know. I I found it in in places to be, you know, a bit slow and and, and predictable. Um, it's okay if you want to, you know, if you've got a couple of hours to, to kill. I've, I've never got a couple of hours to kill. I've got so much stuff. Yeah. So I'm thinking I may bump that one off my list. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, 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 you know, for me, you know, I'm usually, uh, you know, a person who will come on, like I say, and say, you know, oh, yeah, it's a good movie. But the rental, there was times I thought, should I just switch it off? But I. I wanted one from my list, so uh, okay. I uh, I carried on. Um, I've also watched uh, a Netflix uh, movie called Finding Ohana. Okay. Um, it's th- the best way to describe it is um, Netflix doing a modern day Goonies. Oh wow! Okay, so that sounds good. Um, 
yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and and like I say, I, the you know the, there's um, it takes place on the the island of Hawaii. Um, there's treasure maps, um, searches for said treasure, and um, you know lots of uh, you know family friendly tea. Well, movies really. Um, it's you know, it's a movie that, you know, I highly recommend. Um, I got halfway through it before my mind said, this is like the Goonies. And uh, I have to say, after watching the movie, I did go on to Google, typed in Finding Ohana and uh, Goonies, and a lot of reviewers say the same, so it's not just nope. me who thinks that either. And do they seem to like this film, the people that mentioned the Goonies? Seems to be uh, getting some good reviews, good. so uh, I'd I highly recommend that, especially if you've got kids, because it is a you know a, a great movie to sit down and watch with your kids. Um, I then watched um, the movie The Life of Pi. Oh, is this a first time watch for you? Oh, it is. I saw this at the cinema. Yeah, what do you think? Um, and I, I, well, I really still I didn't know what to expect. Um, all I'd ever known about it is you know. Some, some lad and a tiger on yep. a boat. Richard Parker. And um, <laughs> yep. yeah, and uh, I really Loved enjoyed it. it. I thought it was a great film. Um, I I have to admit, didn't quite understand it on on the first watch through. Yep. Um, you know, but you know, a bit googling after and uh, kind of I, I understand more. I think isn't it a case uh, of, you know, so he obviously tells us a story about how he's stuck in a boat with a tiger, and then. Yep. Uh, obviously, we see all of this stuff because he's telling us a story. Isn't it a case of is this true or is it not? I think if you break it down to its bare minimum, is it true or did he make yeah. it all up? I think he did. I think it's true. I think we need more mm-hmm. films where somebody's stuck in a rowing boat or whatever with a tiger and the tiger doesn't rip their head off. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, and not only that, it must be great for cold nights to just cuddle up and. Uh but I, I think the Tigers yeah. had a very good career. It then went on to be in The Walking Dead for a couple of seasons, which was uh, yeah. which was really good. But um, I remember watching that at the cinema. Mowgli. Mowgli yes, definitely. He was in that as well. So it's, uh, it's got a good agent as that Tiger. Very good agent. But I remember <laughs> watching that at the cinema and the one bit that... And to this day, it still really pisses me off. It's, it's why the Tiger doesn't turn around at the end and go, thanks. It just doesn't. Yeah. And I know that kind of, well, that's the whole point of the film. It's like the tiger's just being a tiger, and it's like, I'm off now, you're insignificant. But you think, yeah. the guy, he saved the tiger. But it just took, mm-hmm. just, tiger, just turn around and go, take care. Just just sign off with something, and it just, it so annoys me. Uh, but not too much. It doesn't keep me up all night or whatever. I know, but, but in real life, the the possibilities could have been the tiger turned around and ripped him to bits, and that was the end of well, it. Well, that's possible, but that would have been something. So, I, yeah. you know, not only do I want to know who killed JFK, I want to know why that damn tiger didn't turn around and say, thanks. So, it, it yeah, genuinely, that has niggled me why that tiger never turned around and actually just even acknowledged him, even though I understand why the tiger didn't turn around and acknowledge him. It's still common courtesy, isn't it? I don't care if you're a... T- yeah. you know. just, just for the cuteness factor, though, I would have been tempted to stay on that island with meerkats. So would I. Yep. You know, cuddle up at night with <laughs> 20-odd meerkats, you know, and yeah, sounds good. That would good. be amazing. But the visual effects are stunning in that film as well. Oh, so yeah. Uh, which is, that's pretty much the only reason I will watch Gemini Man 
with Will Smith at one point because mm-hmm. it's the same director that did Life of Pi. And you go, well, you know what you're doing with visual effects on that one. So let's see what you could do Gemini with Gemini Man. Man. Good yes, movie. that's one you've recommended to me as well. It is. Uh, and then the last film uh, I've seen over the past week is one called, well, it's from 2008 and it's called The Wrestler. Oh, I love, yep. Okay, Mickey Rourke. Yeah. Yep. Great film. Um, and he plays a damn good wrestler in that. You know, I I had to go online after and see if he'd actually done any real wrestling. He, I know he'd done real boxing. He'd done um, boxing, and what happened was um, they they hired um, uh, a team of uh, three guys who um, trained him, I believe, for eight weeks um, in wrestling. Okay. So, uh, but yeah, he was very believable, and it was a fantastic film. Um, you know, me being a wrestling fan, um, and and I think just like um the documentary i watched um a few months ago on wrestling even though it's a fictional film it exposed the sadness and the loneliness of this wrestling yeah, world yeah that kind of a lot of people don't see they see kind of the lights and the all, all the kind of glamour of the kind of the show business side but then you know when when the doors closed everybody piles out of the arena I think for a lot of wrestlers, it can be quite um, lonely in a quite dark world. Yeah. It's like, you know, once the noise of the crowd dies down. Because nobody, mm-hmm. and generally we don't, we're all like that when we go to concerts or whatever, or even conventions to yeah. a certain extent. We go, oh, I've just met so-and-so, that's amazing. And then we go back to our houses and we go, well, that was cool. We don't go, mm-hmm. oh, I hope they got home okay, because it's a bit, it looked like it might rain. You know, and then we generally, mm-hmm. a lot of people do forget about the people you've seen, and that certainly applies to The Wrestler, but it's an amazing film. Mm-hmm. I it love is. That. It's, it's definitely Mickey Rourke, because that's kind of like one of his comebacks. Because he was mm-hmm. super hot when he was doing like nine and a half weeks, and everybody was like, "Wow, Mickey Rourke, the next big thing!" And then he started doing some boxing, and he ended up with some facial damage, which generally happens when people punch you in the face. And his career hit mm-hmm. the skids, and he disappeared for a whole bunch of years. And then he came back, uh, and the wrestler was pretty much his big comeback, and uh, he done well. He did really well in that film. And I believe um, reading some trivia after that. Um, there, there was some talks with uh, Nick Cage going to to do the the lead in in the film, but they always wanted um, Mick Rourke. Um, so I think Nick Nick Cage just stepped aside and said, "You know what? Um, you know, have the guy you really want to do I think, it." I don't know. You like Nick Cage, but you think, well, yeah, Nick Cage. That would have been a very different film, I think. I think Mickey Rourke in the Wrestler looks like the Wrestler. I think Nick Cage in that film would have just looked like Nick Cage, <laughs> just running around yeah. screaming at I, people. I totally agree. Yeah. So I think Nick did the right thing and let Mickey Rourke have his comeback. And to be fair, Nick Cage is never struggling for work, so whereas Mickey no. Rourke was, and I, you know. It's, there's no spoilers because it's such an old mm. movie, um, but that scene with the uh, with the meat slicer, yeah. I, I just knew what was coming. I'm, I was like kind of half covering my face, going, yeah. "Really?" <laughs> <laughs> it is an amazing film. I've not seen that for just like ten years, I think. If well, it's that, on the so. Sky Cinema at the moment, so if you've got Now TV in the movie pack or, or access to Sky, then. Uh, you can see it right now. Brilliant. So is it, So what have you watched anyway, Stuart? What movies? I have watched uh, Snowden, 
which uh, and JFK, which which we feature. which we can then I will too. happily go into an hour of conversation about JFK and Snowden again. Uh, so I've watched those two. I've uh, this afternoon I watched a film from 1950 called Born Yesterday, which is it was then ended up being remade in the 90s, starring Don Johnson, John Goodman, and Melanie Griffiths, and it is about this uh, this actress who well, she's not an actress she's a, she's a woman who's very it's a weird film because it's very politically incorrect you've got a man slapping a woman all over the place bullying her into signing legal documents and people shouting screaming at each other and i think it's meant to be a bit of a rom-com but it's kind of it makes you cringe a little bit uh the only actor i know from that one is william holden who i've seen a whole bunch of stuff so i sat and watched that black and white movie on the projector um and got 15 minutes into it, and Annette went, I've seen this. I'm like, well, do you want to watch another one? She said, no, no, I like this film, so we're carrying on watching it. So we watched that. Uh, I've also watched Insidious on Netflix, which mm-hmm. is a spooky, sort of ghosty possession-type movie. Also, I watched that on the projector, scary as crap. Very good. Uh, Paranormal Activity 2, also watched that on the projector, which is very, very scary. And I watched a film from 1986, starring Kelly Maroney, called Zero Boys, which is a bunch of teens that all go into the woods and end up being hunted down by crazy people with weapons. So it's definitely like a 1980s slasher movie. It's a lot of fun, though. So that was one of my Arrow Blu-ray films that I've picked up. I did get my new Blu-ray through from Arrow of Southland Tales, which is the Richard Kelly film. I have not managed to watch it, though, because obviously I was catching up on the things for our Oliver Stone conversation, and the DVD dropped through my letterbox probably about an hour and a half before I started my last block of four shifts. (laughs) So I'm hoping to get this watched uh, and go through all the special features and both versions of the film at some point over the it next It sounds years. good. It's got a good it's cast. Amazing cast. The Rock, Sarah Michelle Gellar, Justin Timberlake, mm-hmm. uh, loads. So I'm looking forward to watching that one. And that's pretty much it. That's that's mm-hmm. all I've really watched. I haven't really done much else. Um, Shopping-wise, I've just ordered one of them big towers that have got 10 plug sockets in it because I've run out of plug sockets. So I need to get mm-hmm. some more. I've been uh, busy faffing around with the, the Xbox. Still can't get hold of a PS5. Um, I haven't worked out yet what to add to my geek wall for February, but there will be something. I'm not quite sure what, but I'll do a bit of browsing around and see what appeals, because I did quite well in January with my uh, mm-hmm. Sarah Douglas picture, my Tina Simmons picture. So, uh, Any new acquired geek items for your own collection? Did all your Star Trek stuff show up? Um, the props yes. is this. Yes, um, my uh, myself bought uh, birthday presents. All arrived, so um, I have have the uh, the Horgon that you see on the the planet Riser. Um, I have Picard's Isolinia chips from his Enterprise D mm-hmm. desk, and I have my now prized possession of a Klingon Mechlef. Very nice. So. So uh, at some point I have to try and work out where I want to put them. The uh, the Mechlef might end up having some um, 3D support printed on the 3D printer and then um, mounted to the wall somehow because that seems to be how Klingons like to do okay. things. Are you you are you going to learn the Klingon language and everything or Klingon holder? <laughs> That's a big yes from you. <laughs> so what's uh, what's coming for the next few days for you? Obviously you're probably back at work. 
Tuesday, I believe, or yeah, yeah back back at work Tuesday. Um, so this week, uh, I'm not sure really. Um, I am hoping to possibly have another kind of restful week, but there is some uh, web stuff I need to do. Yeah. I've managed to do a little bit on my website and uh, I accidentally frazzled two folders full of press releases as well. Uh, they're not stuff that's coming out till March, so usually what the PR companies do is they will send you chaser emails with the same information yeah. again, but I decided to, I have like a, a main directory, so any PR stuff that comes in goes into that folder and then when I've got some time, I look through the folder and then stuff like that so i thought you know what i'm going to be really organized and i'm going to divide it into january february march and do it mm-hmm. like that so i put all the stuff in and then because january is nearly done the folder was empty so i thought oh i can get rid of that but nope it also took with it february and march so i'm like oh balls but never mind um i will recover there wasn't too many in there at the time because there aren't many films coming out so you know because everything's everything's mm-hmm. shutting down speaking of films coming out I am so excited for uh, Godzilla v Kong. I knew, well, I realised I didn't watch um, the previous one yet, so I've got that on my list to watch, oh. which is King of the Monsters, isn't it? Yeah, it's a good film. The only uh, slight um, downside to the new film that I can see is I believe Godzilla's been treated as the bad guy, oh. and I see them both as good guys. Um, you know, I know, obviously, Kong is traditionally good and then you've got godzilla who in the whole kind of universe of godzilla um now supposed to be able to swing both ways i beg your uh, pardon <laughs> no pun intended yep. um you know so he's supposed to be the balance of the force um so if you know the the good guys are winning too much and everything's not balanced, then he'll go and try and take out a few good guys and, you know, vice versa. If the bad guys are doing too well and the good guys need a helping hand, he'll switch teams. So, uh, but to me, Godzilla has always been good ever since the, the cartoons with Godzuki. Um, so I think I'm going to have to go team Godzilla for me when the movie I comes out. Well, this is a problem when they do those thingy V thingy movies, you know, like Freddy versus yep. Jason, uh, Batman v Superman, you know, obviously Godzilla versus Kong, stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, and I realised I hadn't seen the last one, so I will uh, obviously make sure I've watched that before the film makes its way over these shores to probably premium rental. I would have thought that's the way that Wonder Woman's gone. Uh, I yep. can't see theatres being open anytime soon. Certainly not in the next couple of months. So it will no. probably be a premium rental. But I don't mind doing that, though. It's Because like, I look at the Wonder Woman one, and it's £16, I think, to rent is Wonder Woman mm-hmm. 84. And that's not much more than a cinema ticket. So you could rent no. it, put it on the projector. Done. Yes, it's not as good as a cinema audience, but you know, at least I'm not going out. I don't even know if my theatres are open. Because how do we? <laughs> we don't know. Uh, and I wouldn't really want to go to a cinema at this moment in time anyway. The the, the world and the country is still filled with rule breakers and seems mm-hmm. to be getting worse from what I can tell. I know people who were sticking to the rules before who are just not bothering now, which is very depressing. Because mm-hmm. uh, that kind of, I, I want to go away. I want to go to Wales and like, you know, put my feet in the ocean and go for waffles and stuff. But until the world sorts itself yeah. out can't do that i'm kind of getting to the stir crazy part now uh being indoors but not to the point where i want to risk death 
to uh, to go put my feet in the ocean, but I just wish more people gave a damn. Yeah, on the bright side, I did see uh, uh, a news article earlier with the headline that uh, in the UK um, the flu has almost been eradicated. Just, nobody's because... gone out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so you know, it, that'd be that'd be something. Um, it would. So, but who knows how the year's going to unfold? Uh, watch this space, but it's uh, it's just like I love this. We're now entering the eleventh month since lockdowns began. That's crazy. And once February hits, it will be the beginning of the eleventh month. That's nuts. That's absolutely nuts. Would you ever have thought as a kid, oh, I'm going to spend near enough a year in my house? Jesus. Um, during the teenage years, yeah. <laughs> yeah pretty much. I, I can completely yeah. see that. Thank God we've got the internet and streaming platforms and movies and delivery companies and stuff, though. God, mm-hmm. Otherwise, we'd oh, go yeah. insane. A- apparently, there's been um, uh, a cardboard shortage <laughs> for um, for internet retailers because people are buying so much stuff online Do you know where now? all the cardboard is? We both know the answer to this. It's in Amazon. You buy a yep. USB stick, you get half a ton of cardboard in that thing. It's absolutely oh, yeah. crazy. There's no reason that they need to package that stuff in as much cardboard. It, it wouldn't surprise me now if you go online and, and buy an online gift card from Amazon, have it emailed straight to uh, the recipient, yep. and you'd still get a huge box through the door with a little note that said, your um, gift card has been emailed to Stuart. <laughs> yeah, probably. Well, I also think that the other reason for the shortage of cardboard is the Lego shop, because uh, Annette mm-hmm. has has got a Lego Ninjago set arriving tomorrow. Now, bear in mind that she can't build it for weeks because of her arm, <laughs> but she's still got it. It's still showing up. This thing is thousands and thousands of pieces, and it's it's wow. huge. And she also bought the police station, uh, which... She's doing like one bag of Lego per day, which which is equivalent of me and you watching ten minutes of a film per day. So she's doing it one handed, like sorting one bag out, and it's pain in her because because uh, she obviously wants to just like build the whole thing, but pain threshold wise, she can't. So yeah, I have to ask the question though, with the amount of Lego that must be in your yeah. house, I could build a house. Um, that- well, there was there will soon be a time where you need to uh, upgrade the size of your house, or do you just have to find somewhere with extra land and you just <laughs> Lego you know, village. build Lego uh, outbuildings? Well, our plan is when we do move house, uh, there are two mm-hmm. things that we're going to be looking for in these new houses. One will be a wall that can take a projector picture, and two, okay. there will be a room that can take a table big enough so that Annette can actually build her Lego village and have it. You know when you see these movies and people are like playing with the big train sets and it's like the entire yeah. room is just taken over by a train set other than them standing in the middle of it or whatever. That, but for her Lego village. So the wow. three sort of things that she's collecting at the minute is the, the Lego village sort of stuff, which I think is I don't know if it's called Creator, but it's a certain brand. So it's all the buildings yeah. like the bookshop and the police station and stuff. Uh, Lego Ninjago and I think Lego Harry Potter is the third one. Uh, and then obviously she's got some offshoots like the big big Millennium Falcon and stuff. But we did have a conversation saying, look, you can't collect all the Lego because you'll have no place to do it. How about you just focus? So every time a City one comes out, you get it. Every time a Ninjago one comes out, you get it. And then every time a Harry Potter one comes out, you then go get that one as well. So uh, yeah, so there will be a big upgrade. 
at some point. And also there'll need to be an upgrade for the house to put all my signed stuff everywhere. Like my fading mm-hmm. Oliver Stone picture <laughs> um, and stuff like that. Maybe uh, Annette can make you um, Lego frames for all your signed photos. Possibly. That would work. I'm all for yeah. that. <laughs> so, well, I'm going to let you go for the evening, Rob. It's always a pleasure. Okay. For, thank you very, very much for watching JFK and Snowden. I know you don't need to, I know you don't don't need to be thanked because thank you've been treated. You know, they were great. Uh, but it is nice. I think it's really good that we've actually had a conversation in depth about two films. So there may be some Terminator in our future, I'm just saying, because that is one of the films that I also watched on a big screen that I forgot. I watched the first Terminator on the big projection. And my God, that makes such a difference. I love the film anyway, but to watch it on a huge projection is amazing. So I'm very, very excited about watching the extended version of Terminator 2 at some point later this week as well. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, other than that, you enjoy the rest of your evening. I'm going to go uh, do some research on JFK. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Who are you scared of, Dave? Me? I'm afraid of everybody. Ow. Get off! Everybody. Agency. Mob. Cubans. You just talk to us on the record. We'll protect you. I guarantee it. It was a day that changed our lives. I saw a flash of light in bushes and that last shot. An act that shocked the nation. The smoke came from behind the hedge. A moment when time stood still. Seemed like people weren't even breathing, like you were looking at a picture. For one man, it became an obsession with truth. You're the DA in New Orleans. Don't you think the Kennedy assassination's a little bit out of your domain? A commitment to justice. Nobody's gonna tell me that kid did the shooting job he did from that damn bookstore. A sacrifice of everything he had. I think you care more about John Kennedy than your own family. For everything he believed. Nothing is gonna keep me from going ahead with my investigation of John Kennedy's murder. They tried to stop him from asking who. If I give you the name of the big enchilada, you know. Do I have to spell it out for you, Mr. Garrison? Then it's Bon Voyage Dino. They tried to keep him from asking why. That's a real question, isn't it? Why? The government's gonna jump all over your head, Jimbo. Why was Kennedy killed? By the same people that killed us, Papa. Nobody's gonna kill us. Who benefited? You have any idea what you're getting yourself into, Daddy-o? Who has the power to cover it up? Warner Brothers presents Kevin Costner. Now we're through the looking glass here, people. In an Oliver Stone film. White is black, and black is white. People got to know. I'm a dead man! I say let justice be done, though the heavens fall. Best I can tell, you've been walking around two broken legs for weeks. When do I go back? You ever again land on those legs of yours, those bones will turn to powder. Plenty other ways to serve your country. You want it to be special forces? Yes, sir. Why do you want to join the CIA? I'd like to help my country make a difference in the world. The average test time is five hours. I'm done, sir. It's been 40 minutes. 38 minutes. What should I do now? Whatever you want. The deputy director of the NSA offered me a new position. Can you tell me anything about it? (laughs) You know I can't. Find the terrorist in the internet haystack. 
making people very happy. Thank you. You ready for a little action? Oh, this looks juicy. How is this all possible? Think of it as a Google search, except instead of searching only what people make public, we're also looking at everything they don't. Emails, chats, SMS, whatever. Yeah, but which people? The whole kingdom, Snow White. The NSA is really tracking every cell phone in the world. Most Americans don't want freedom. They want security. Except people, they don't even know they've made that bargain. Are they watching us? There's something going on inside the government that's really wrong, and I can't ignore it. I just want to get this data to the world. I feel like I'm made to do this, and if I don't do it, then... I don't know anybody else that can. This is everything I have. They're gonna figure out what I've done. Did you access an unauthorized program? The government knows that we have these documents now. You're looking at possible death sentences. I can't turn back from this. Watch yourself. We are running out of time. They're going to come for me. They're going to come for all of you, too. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.